chapter two of a woman's experiences in the great war by louise mack this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter two on the way to antwerp a couple of days afterward however feeling thoroughly ashamed of having fled and knowing that ostend was now reinforced by english marines i gathered my courage together once more and returned to belgium this time so that i should not run away again so easily i took with me a suitcase and a couple of trunks these trunks contained clothes enough to last a summer and a winter the manuscript of a novel our marriage which had appeared serially and all my chiffons in fact i took everything i had in my wardrobe i thought it was the simplest thing to do so it was but it afterwards proved an equally simple way of losing all i had getting back to ostend i left my luggage at the maritime hotel and hurried to the railway station i had determined to go to antwerp for the day and see if it would be possible to make my headquarters in that town de trance said the ticket official but why c'est la guerre comment c'est la guerre madame that was the answer one received to all one's queries in those days if you asked why the post had not come or why the boat did not sail for england or why your coffee was cold or why your boots were not cleaned or why your window was shut or why the canary didn't sing you would always be sure to be told c'est la guerre next morning however the train condescended to start and three hours after its proper time we steamed away from ostend slowly painfully through the hot summer day our long brown train went creeping toward anvers anvers the very name had grown into an emblem of hope in those sad days when the belgians were fleeing for their lives towards the safety of their great fortified city on the scheldt oh to see them at every station crushing in in they crowd and in they crowd herding like dumb driven cattle and always the poor white-faced women with their wide innocent eyes had babies in their arms and little fair-haired flemish children hanging to their skirts wherever we stopped we found the platforms lined ten deep and by the wildness with which these fugitives fought their way into the crowded carriages one guessed at the pent-up terror in those poor hearts they must they must get into that train you could see it was a matter of life and death with them and soon every compartment was packed and on we went through the stifling blinding august day onwards towards antwerp but when a soldier came along how eager every one was to find a place for him not one of us but would gladly give up our seat to any soldat we would lean from the windows and shout out loudly almost imploringly here soldat here and when two wounded men from malines appeared we performed absolute miracles of compression in that long brown train we squeezed ourselves to nothing we stood in back rows on the seats while front rows sat on our toes and the passage between the seats was packed so closely that one could scarcely insert a pin and still we squeezed ourselves and still fresh passengers came clamouring in and so wonderful was the spirit of goodwill abroad in these desperate days in belgium that we kept on making room for them even when there was absolutely no more room to make then a soldier began talking and how we listened never did priest or orator get such a hearing as that little blue-coated belgian white with dust clotted with blood and mud his yellow beard weeks old on his young face with his poor feet in their broken boots the original blue and red of his coat blackened with smoke 
and hardened with earth where he had slept among the beetroots and potatoes at malines he told us in a faint voice i often saw king albert when i was fighting near malines yes he was there our king he was fighting too i saw him many times i was quite near him ah he has a bravery and magnificence about him i saw a shell exploding just a bare yard from where he was over and over again i saw his face always calm and resolute i hope all is well with him he ended falteringly but in battle one knows nothing yes yes all is well answered a dozen voices king albert is back at antwerp and safe with the queen a look of radiant happiness flashed over the poor fellow's face as he heard that then he made us all laugh he said for two days i slept out in the fields at first among the potatoes and the beetroots and then i came to the asparagus he drew himself up a bit savez-vous the asparagus of malines it is the best asparagus in the world c'est ça and i slept on it on the malines asparagus about noon that day we had arrived close to ghent when suddenly the train came to a standstill and we were ordered to get out and told to wait on the platform two hours to wait the station-master told us the grey old city of ghent calm and massive among her monuments looked as though war were a hundred miles away the shops were all open business was being briskly done ladies were buying gloves and ribbons old wide-bearded gentlemen were smoking their big cigars here and there was a belgian officer the shops were full of english papers i went into the cathedral it was saturday morning but great crowds of people peasants bourgeoisie and aristocracy were there praying and telling their rosaries and as i entered a priest was finishing his sermon remember this my children remember this said the little priest only silence is great the rest is weakness it has often seemed to me since that those words hold the keynote to the belgian character sur la silence est grande la reste est faiblesse for never does one hear a belgian complain at last over the flat green country came a glimpse of antwerp a great city lying stretched out on the flat lands that border the river scheldt from the train windows one saw a bewildering mass of taxicabs all gathered together in the middle of the green fields at the city's outskirts for all the taxicabs had been commandeered by the government and near them was a field covered with monoplanes and biplanes a magnificent array of aircraft of every kind with the sunlight glittering over them like silver they were all ready there to chase the zeppelin when it came over from cologne and in the airfield a ceaseless activity went on slowly and painfully our train crept into antwerp station the pomp and spaciousness of this building with its immense dome-like roof was very striking it was the second largest station in the world and in those days it had need to be large for the crowds that poured out of the trains were appalling all the world seemed to be rushing into the fortified town soldiers were everywhere and for the first time i saw men armed to the teeth with bayonets drawn looking stern and implacable and i soon found it was a very terrible affair to get inside the city i had to wait and wait in a dense crowd for quite an hour before i could get to the first line of sentinels then i showed my passport and papers while two belgian sentinels stood on each side of me their bayonets horribly near my head out in the flagged square i got a fiacre and started off for a drive my first impression of antwerp as i drove through it that golden day was something never never to be forgotten 
as long as i live i shall see that great city walled in all round with magnificent fortifications standing ready for the siege along the curbstones armed guards were stationed bayonets fixed while dense crowds seethed up and down continually in the golden sunlight thousands of banners were floating in the wind enormous banners of a size such as i had never seen before hanging out of these great white stately houses along the avenues lined with acacias there were banners fluttering out of the shops along the chaussee de malines banners floating from the beautiful cathedral banners banners everywhere hour after hour i drove and everywhere there were banners golden red and black floating on the breeze it seemed to me that black struck a curiously sombre note almost a note of warning and i confess that i did not quite like it and i even thought to myself that if i were a belgian i would raise heaven and earth to have the black taken out of my national flag alas one little dream that golden summer day of the tragic fate that lay in wait for antwerp in those days we all believed her utterly impregnable after a long drive i drove to the hotel terminus to get a cup of tea and arrange for my stay it gave me a feeling of surprise to walk into a beautiful palm-lined corridor and see people sitting about drinking cool drinks and eating ices there were high-spirited dauntless belgian officers in their picturesque uniforms french and english businessmen and a sprinkling of french and english war correspondents a tall charming grey-haired american lady with a red cross on her black chiffon sleeve was having tea with her husband a grey-moustached american army doctor these were major and mrs livingstone's seamen a wealthy philanthropic american couple who were devoting their lives and their substance to helping red cross work suddenly a man came towards me you don't remember me he said you are from australia i met you fifteen years ago in sydney it was a strange meeting that of two australians who were destined later to face such terrific odds in that city on the scheldt my orders are mr frank fox told me as we chatted away to stick it out whatever happens i've got to see it through for the morning post and i'm going to see it through too i said oh no said mr fox you'll have to go as soon as trouble threatens shall i i thought but as he was a man and an australian i did not think it was worth while arguing the matter with him instead we talked of sydney and old friends across the seas the blue mountains and the bush and our poets and writers and painters and politicians friends of long ago forgetting for the moment that we were chatting as it were on the edge of a crater end of chapter two recording by expatriate in bangor maine